You're listening to the Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Better Man Podcast. My name's Adam Tarno. I will be your host today, and today I am joined by my buddy, Scott Kadersha. Scott and I have known each other over 20 years. We may be closing in on like 25 years of knowing each other. We both lived in Atlanta for a little bit. We're part of the same church there in Atlanta, and then we both moved out to Dallas, Texas at the same time. He and his family now live down in Waco, Texas. He's the marriage pastor down at Harris Creek Baptist Church with uh, one of the guests of the Better Man podcast in the past and a board member of Better Man, uh, Jonathan Pakluda. So Scott is down there working with JP. Three years ago, Scott published a book called Ready or Not, 12 Questions Every Couple Needs to Have Before Marriage. So this is a little bit of an unusual conversation because usually when we invite people who have published a book onto the podcast, the book just came out, but not today. Uh, We're going to talk about a book that's been out for a few years and how relevant it still is today, some of the things he's learned since then, having conversations with so many seriously dating and engaged couples and now married couples. So you're going to love getting to know Scott. So enjoy our conversation. All right. Well, Scott, welcome to the Better Man Podcast. Let me make sure I have your last name right. Is it Keter Shaw? Is, is that is that how you pronounce it? Is Keter Shaw? I've heard everything under the sun you think of, but no, Kadersha, Adam. Oh, Kadersha. It's Kadersha. Okay. Yeah. Well, as I said in the intro, you and I have known each other a while. That's a long-standing uh, inside joke that we've had because our buddy, it was our buddy Wes Butler, right? That was the very first time he met you. He called you Keter Shaw. It's actually Ryan Howell. Yeah, but oh, Wes Ryan Howell. right there with him. Yes. Golly. Well, Wes deserved to be thrown under the bus at some point anyway. So I'm sure he's done something. Uh, but it was Ryan Howell. That's right. So anyway, hey, buddy, it's great to have you on here. Uh, as I mentioned in our intro, back in 2019, you wrote a book called Ready or Not, K-N-O-T. I feel like we've got to put that out there, right? Ready or Not, 12 questions every couple needs to have before marriage. Talk about this analogy that you use, this metaphor of the stoplight, right? The red, yellow, green, that that if, if, if the couples will ask these questions, by the time they get to the end, they're going to see some of these colors on a stoplight, right? So just talk about that a little bit and why, uh, why did you choose that metaphor? Yeah, you know, it's uh, couples who are getting ready for marriage are always like so excited about it. It's, uh, you know, everyone celebrates them. Everyone like throws parties for them. Social media, everything goes crazy. It's like people vomit over social media, how excited they are for a couple. And, and I thought through this, this analogy of sometimes we do want to celebrate, like it's a green light, They're like keep moving forward and we're excited for you. No hesitations, community speaking in, everyone's excited. Sometimes you meet a couple and there are things that you're excited about and some things that you're a little bit cautious about it. So think of it like a yellow light, like you slow down. And then the hard one is is the red light. Nobody really wants to celebrate. And it's just awkward. You know, some someone shows you their ring and they or they tell you they just proposed and in your mind you're going, Man, I'm terrified for you. And and we don't know how to say that. And so the the green, yellow, red just provides a really good analogy to help give some language for a couple and then even for their community on how to counsel them on next steps in their relationship. Yeah. So you and I had a stint together when we were both on staff over at Watermark Community Church. You're down at Harris Creek now in Waco. But you and I were working together in the pre-married ministry. So we were uh, running this class and leading this class called Merge that was a class for pre-married, seriously dating and engaged couples. And uh, I remember learning from you during that, that 
if somebody got to the end of that class and they broke up, you you counted that as a win, which sounds a little countercultural, but explain that because I think it gets uh, it really does highlight uh, why it's so important to have these conversations before marriage, uh, because sometimes that is a win if you do see the red light or if you break up, right? For sure. The, the world would see it as a failure, not see it as a big win. So, you know, 16 years of doing this every day with couples. Now I get the benefit of seeing even more so than when we work together, Adam, you know, I get to see the, just the carnage that comes with a bad decision about marriage. When a couple keeps moving forward in spite of warning signs and red lights and all that, you see how that affects everyone around them. It affects their kids. It affects their walk with Jesus, it, it, you know, literally has a generational impact. And so if we can spare a couple from living in that kind of really miserable existence, unfortunately, as a couple, or spare a future divorce, then we consider that a, a win. And, and most of the time in the middle of it, it's really hard. But I can't tell you the number of times I'd get an email from somebody a year down the road who would say, you know, thank you for being a part of that or for encouraging us to break up. That was the the best decision I've ever made. And by the way, now I'm dating somebody and everyone's celebrating the relationship instead of being terrified for it. So it's a big win and the world would say it's a failure, but man, grateful for all the pain that's been spared in the midst of that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's so good. And I, I always just, I remember just being so moved by that and just going, okay, that's a really healthy unique way to think about this. So yeah, we want to celebrate certain things, but there are some couples that probably uh, need to not be caught up in just all the excitement and really have a sober view of the relationship and either pause, you know, for a little bit or maybe break up. So the book's been out about three years now, and I don't know if you have this data, but what's your guess? Are more men leading the purchase of this book to go through it or are women leading this, uh, the purchase of the of this book? What, what's your What's your hunch there? Yeah, it's a great question. So typically, guys don't, and you know, men, we don't, we don't like to read. I like to read. Adam, like you like to read. A lot of guys don't like to read, and so, you know, most of the time, it's it's women who are probably leading the charge. You know, I think people still have a lot of fears about marriage. They don't know what it is. They've never seen it done really well. Most of us don't have good models and, and parents or friends, and so there's a felt need for this book. And I, I've been encouraged by the way men have responded in saying, this is something we need. We need some direction. We need some wisdom. I was very intentional about, you know, the the color of the cover of the book and the way that it looks because I didn't want, I didn't want it to be something that a guy would be, you know, ashamed to carry around with them to a coffee shop or, yeah. you know, be seen reading in public. And, uh, and because people are so scared of marriage, I think they really do want to see, like, what does it look like and how do I best prepare? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And what I also found very interesting is in chapter one, you answer the question, what is marriage, right? Which is like, duh, right? Well, I guess that is a great place to start. Why did you put that in there in chapter one? What led to that? What conversations were you having where you say, hey, we probably need to level the field here and make sure we're all using this word the same way? Yeah. So the Bible is really clear on what marriage is. You know, marriage is a covenant. It's something that God gave us as a picture of his love for us. It's this uh, permanent covenantal relationship between a man and a woman. And so if you are a student of God's Word, if you've been walking with Jesus a long time, then you know what marriage is. But if you're not a follower of Christ, or if you look at culture, or you kind of have one foot in both worlds, then you're really confused on what it is. And so, you know, the world would tell us a marriage is between any two people who love each other. It doesn't matter what their gender is. It doesn't even, Canada, like, this is so crazy. 
it's getting to the point where it's not even just one man and one woman or two men. It's like, let's get three people together or four people together. Marry your pet, marry your child, marry yourself. Like that, that I read an article recently about a person who had a ceremony for marrying themselves. And so if you look at culture, you're going to find a crazy definition. And then, and then even in the church and people who are, you know, more uh, or less mature in their faith that, you know, they're okay with moving in together with being sexually active. And, and I wanted people to have like a right picture of what marriage is, the way that God designed it in a way that's a beautiful blessing, not something that's going to harm us. Yeah, I love it. it. Yeah, it makes total sense that you do that. You talk about in the book, how do you grow spiritually together as a couple before you get married, which just took me back to, you know, again, you and I knew each other before uh, we were married to our wives now back in the young adult days and just different sermons we heard about dating and this idea of like, be careful about don't pray together. Right. Like if you're dating a girl, do not pray together because that's so intimate and you're really not going to know where the boundary is anymore. Uh, do you remember hearing sermons like that or hearing advice from the church like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Guard your heart. You, you can't pray together. It's more intimate than sex, even. Yes. Like that. I don't know about I that. I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but anyway, it is a good question because I think there is a lot of confusion around that. Because again, if you're dating, you want to, you just, uh, the, you know, us guys, we want to try to move that relationship along at a healthy pace. And if you go too deep on the spiritual intimacy, it could maybe. Uh, insinuate that things are a little bit more serious than they actually are at the moment. So, what what's the advice? Like, what what? How do you see uh, couples that are dating uh, grow together spiritually? What 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 are some things you see? Yeah. So, a part of the reason why it's so hard for a dating couples because like so few married couples know how to do this really well. It's almost a little bit awkward, and and it shouldn't be. And so, I'm trying to remove the the awkwardness as I meet with married couples where. There's a freedom to share. Like our relationship with Jesus is the most important thing about us by far. There's no, there's no close second. You know, I was thinking yesterday we're we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. That we are His workmanship. That our primary identity is as a follower of Jesus Christ, and we don't know how to talk about that. And so the the time to begin it for couples is not 20 years down the road. It's before. You even get married because you want to know who you're marrying. And so, you know, what what are you learning in God's word? What does your prayer life look like? Are you active in a church? Are you serving? Are you in a, a you know a life group, community group, small group, cell group, whatever, whatever it's called at, at, at your church? Uh, you want to find uh, people who are doing all they can to become closer to Jesus and, and then learning how to talk about that with each other, not in a braggadocious way or trying to one-up each other or even trying to impress each other, but really allowing the other person to see, look, following me, Jesus isn't just something on my business card. It's not just something in my Instagram you know, handle or a bio. It's actually the most important thing about, about you. And so you know, people always want to know, like, what Bible study should we read together as a couple? And my, my, my encouragement typically is, don't do a Bible study together. Just each of you read God's Word, share with each other what you're learning, and then pray about it together. Let's not overcomplicate it. And, and honestly, if, if a married couple did that, they'd be 
much further along than most other married couples as well. Yeah, that was where I was going to go next because I know you're working on a resource and writing a, a book now on marriage. Like the Ready or Not was written to the seriously dating engaged couple, and now you got a resource that'll be coming out soon for married couples. But talk about that with spiritual intimacy with married couples and and what you've seen in your own life, like you as the husband and leader in your marriage. How do you try to do that in your marriage to make sure that you and Kristen are continuing to grow in that spiritual intimacy? Yeah, so the, thanks for asking. The book I'm working on, it's, it's a prayer guide, and, and it's designed for seriously dating and engaged couples, but it will be great for married couples as well. And the whole heart behind it came, I, w- I was teaching on uh, to a married class, a, a class of you know 75 couples, how do you grow together spiritually in your marriage? And so it's obvious. It's things like serving and reading your Bible and prayer. And I did a little research on prayer. In fact, listened to a sermon from Andy Stanley at North Point. And he shared the divorce rate for married couples who pray together out loud on a consistent basis is probably less than 1%. And so in general, if you look and see, and it, you know, statistics vary inside the church and outside the church, but anywhere from 40 to 50%. And if there's one thing that my wife and I can do that will help move that divorce rate from 40% to less than 1%, I want to do, do that thing. And so it's it's a simple thing of just praying together out loud on a consistent basis. But we don't like to do it. We're we're afraid. We're prideful. We're uh, we don't make the time for it. We're too busy. And so I'm just trying to raise the value of of praying together in your marriage because of what it does for your marriage, and then the way that it helps connect you with the Lord. Yeah, that's uh, again so simple, so easy. It doesn't have to be overcomplicated. You don't have to go start taking Greek lessons to learn how to read the New Testament in original forms. Just open up God's Word, talk about it, pray out loud. That's it. Just do that on a regular basis and just see what happens. Let's let's talk about money um, and that, you know, all the stats that I read is this is one of the number one stressors in marriage. And so why did you include that as something that a couple who's considering marriage should talk about? What are some of the parameters around that conversation that you would recommend for a seriously dating or engaged couple? Yeah, it's so good. And I learned, honestly learned a lot uh, from you on this, Adam, of just the way that you and Jackie did this so well and the way you teach through it. And and you're right. Every time you look at a list of why does a couple get divorced, you're going to see communication issues, conflict issues, and then money is going to be right up at the top of that list. And so, again, we don't want to wait until we're married to have that conversation. We want to start thinking about that rightly before we even say I do, so that we know that we're aligned in the way that we think about debt and giving and spending and, you know, the the challenge of a of a spender being married to a saver. Kristen's a saver. I'm a spender. And, and it can frequently lead to, you know, arguments in our marriage because I just, whatever I want, I want to just go out and buy. And she never wants to buy anything. And so, uh, so it, it's you can see how like you you put that and stack that on top of other issues and, and money's so personal because we all have our preferences and the way that we do things with money. If we don't talk about it, it's guaranteed to lead to problems down the road in marriage. So I mean, seriously, dating couple are they sharing income numbers? Are they talking about debt? I mean, what um, what, what what level? How far how far would you recommend they go on that conversation before marriage? Yeah, that's great. So that you know, there's no biblical wisdom on that to tell us when do you when do you share your budget to your girlfriend, fiance, spouse. 
but you you start watching right from from day one you, as you go out together you watch the way that they spend money the way they think about money the way they think about generosity do they give money at church like those are conversations and observations you can make early on and then you know i, I suggest when you, you open up the budget either right before you get engaged or right after getting engaged and i might even say before you get engaged so that you know who you're marrying. Like, so there's no surprise. Hey, I'm going to go drop a ton of money on a ring and then find out that I'm marrying somebody who's got $250,000 in debt and doesn't plan to do anything with it. Because you throw a ring on that finger and all of a sudden that debt now becomes your debt. And so, yeah, that may not push you away from marrying them, but at least you want to go into it with eyes wide open of who you're marrying and what they're bringing with them. Yeah, I like that. I like that. All right, let's talk. You, you've alluded to conflict and communication again being one of the big stressors uh, in marriage and things that are great to talk about before you get engaged. So uh, talk to that couple that, again, is so caught up in the excitement. They just got the rose-colored glasses on. They're just like, we're, the, we're just best friends, and I cannot imagine that we're ever going to fight about anything uh, right now. So what would you say to that person right now? Not wanting to pour cold water all over it, but but uh, we've seen those couples before. And and what would you say to a guy that's in a relationship that's feeling that way right now of just going, I we just never fight. And I don't know if we ever will. I mean, she's just as perfect as she ever could be. And he's as perfect. Like it's, a, you know, he's my soulmate. Yeah. And, and yeah, one, I'm like thrilled that, the, that you're excited. You, I'd prefer you be excited about being engaged and being with someone that rather like, well, I just want to get married. They're pretty terrible. And so we're going to get married anyway. But <laughs> there's nobody I'm, else. Yeah, there's nobody else. So I might as well. So let me, let me speak to uh, some of you listening might be, you know, followers of Christ and you might be sexually active before you get married. And, uh, and, and that's, you know, that, that's sin. That's not God's best. It's really clear uh, over and over in the scriptures. I discuss it in the book, what God's design is there. And, and sometimes guys or couples who are sexually active, because of the benefits of what happens in the bedroom, it's really easy to overlook the things that bother you about one another and, and so you're like, we, we fight, or you know, but it doesn't matter because the sex is really good. And I promise you, and I know you'll agree, Adam, you are going to fight and communicate a whole lot more in marriage than you will have sex in marriage. And so make sure you're dealing with that stuff now. You know, and then, and then if you're one of those couples who says that they never fight, it's possible you are. Like there are some, there are some relationships that are just easier that you know, you, you kind of have the personalities and you get along with each other well and all the problems just kind of roll off your back and, and that's a blessing. So I'd celebrate that. But some of you are, are, are just afraid to bring it up because if you bring up the tough stuff, you, tough stuff, you think the relationship's gonna, gonna end or you're such a people pleaser and so you just agree to, to not deal with stuff and you sweep it under the rug and you sweep it under the rug and you sweep it under the rug and eventually there's just gonna be a, a pile of bitterness there because of stuff that you haven't dealt with. And so, you know, the Galatians 1.10, are you seeking to please God or seeking to please man? And so I'd be somebody who's willing to have the hard conversations. And if you do, that will set you up well for the rest of your relationship, because you're going to have conflict and issues your, your whole married life, right? I'm 20, almost 21 years of marriage. You're, uh, you're 19 or 20. 19, yeah, this is the 19th yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. And that stuff's going to come up for the rest of your life. And so you got to learn uh, how to do it well, and I'd start now instead of waiting until after you get married. Yeah, so let's let's talk to that that guy right now that feels like, all right, I'm in the marriage though, and it is hard. Like it is it is a hard season right now. Uh, how would you encourage that brother? 
Yeah. Well, Morna, man, I'm sorry. You are not alone. I want you to know that. The only promise about marriage in the entire Bible is that if you marry, you will have trouble. It's First Corinthians 7, 28. <laughs> no, nobody reads that at their, at their wedding ceremony. That's not like the scripture passage that people read. And so, one, I just want you to know that the, you are not alone and, uh, and couples struggle all around us. And so what I would do is not be somebody who's proud and hides the issues. You know, I, I'd raise your hand and I'd get with somebody else you trust, whether it's a community, whether it's a pastor, a counselor, and just be willing to say, hey, we're struggling in our relationship. And, and when we don't, you know, God opposes the proud, but shows favor and gives grace to the humble. And so be somebody who's willing enough to say, we struggle and we need some help and know that you're not alone. You are not the first, you're not the last. You're just like every other married couple when it comes to having struggles with communication and conflict. I like that. That's good. That's a good word. Okay. So towards the end of the book, you've got this really interesting FAQ section in there, like how to break up, how to stop having sex if we're sexually active right now. What do you think is the one question that over the last three years you've been asked the most from that FAQ section? Or, or is there one that has popped up that maybe wasn't in that, didn't make it on, uh, on that list? You know, I think the one that's just the most, the biggest challenge now is cohabitation that the numbers continue to rise, that that it seems to make sense that, you know, in a worldly sense, that if we're going to get married, if we've got a date on the calendar, we know when it is, invites are out, we're going to get married. And so why can't we just move in together now? It, it seems like fiscally responsible, like we're going to be good stewards, you know, and they, they've got this mindset, like we'll sleep in different beds or we'll, we'll sleep in the same bed, but we're not going to be sexually active. And and I, I get it's just crazy, right? It, it's uh it's never really finances. Every time I, somebody has moved in and said it's finances, I said, well, let's sit down and look at your budget. I'll bet we can find a way to, to save you a couple hundred bucks or sleep on somebody's couch for a few months. It's never finances. It's because they want what they want. It's, it's selfishness. And the world is telling you that's what you have to do. You got to test drive the relationship. You got to make sure everything works. And it's really bad wisdom from the world. And so that just keeps coming up. I'd say even more, you know, when I started this in 2006, if someone was living together, they very sheepishly told you or wouldn't even admit it. Now they're like out and proud of living together and there's no shame about it. And so culture's not helping us and uh, it's an increasingly more and more of a problem. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk to a couple people before we wrap up here. So somebody that's listening right now and their kids are seriously dating or engaged and uh, what would you recommend? How can, how can they best encourage uh, their kids that are in that stage of life right now? Yeah, so good. Uh, it's funny to think I might be there in a couple of years. And so, you know, I'm thinking of my own kids, what I would do. Well, one, I would want them to get really good counsel. And so I'd want them to be involved in a church, to get some premarital counseling, you know, read Ready or Not, read The Meeting of Marriage by Tim Keller, read anything by Gary Thomas. Uh, read outdated by Jonathan Pecluda. Read, you know, uh, single dating, engaged and married by by Ben Stewart. You, you don't have to read all of them, or, or if you want, to read all of them. Get really good knowledge, and then just be willing to op- tell them to be willing to open up their lives to the input of others. And then you do all you can as a parent to pray for them, to speak wisdom. Don't be afraid of sharing the encouragement or the challenges. And then, uh, and then they're also grown adults, and so they're going to make some decisions that you may not always approve of. But what you want to do is be faithful to give good counsel, to pray for them, to sh- and to share your wisdom with them. I like that. That's a really good answer. All right, let's talk about or talk to the guy right now that 
just sitting there kind of having that Adam Sandler in the wedding singer moment of this is information that would have been very helpful yesterday. <laughs> okay. So again, I don't want to laugh at the fact that they feel like they are in a hard spot in their marriage, but, um, uh, you know, anything else that you would add to that, to that person right now, that's like, great, this is, this is stuff that I wish I would have done, but I didn't do it. And maybe feels a little apathetic about it. Just like, ah, it's too late. What would you say to that guy? Yeah, so good. So I actually met with a couple yesterday and they got married about two months ago and she hid a lot of stuff from her past. And so I sat in a room with them with her being just terrified of sharing the junk in her life. And and he's going, hey, I wish you would have told me before we got married. So that exact scenario. And so one thing about about marriage that, you know, it's a, the word intimacy is, is a great word that describes a marriage relationship. And to be intimate, typically we think means sex. That's certainly part of it. But to be intimate means to know and be known without fear of rejection. And so that comes from Genesis 2.25. The man and the woman were together. They were naked and there was no shame. And so the idea in marriage is that you can be fully naked with each other, literally naked and have no shame or fully clothed and be naked emotionally and have no shame. And that's such a weird concept for us because the world continues to reject us when we're honest and when we're open. And marriage ought to be the place, the one place on the planet where we can fully be transparent, where we can fully be known, where we can share everything about us and not fear that our spouse is going to run away. You know, I don't, I don't uh, come to work today and fear that my wife is going to leave me with the, you know, she's going to take the good car, leave me with the minivan, leave me with the dogs, you know, or the dog, the four boys, and she's going to run away with some other guy. Like, I'm not afraid of that. I don't have a, a fear of being rejected by her. Could she do it? Sure. Could I do it? Sure. But I don't live in fear of that because when you're intimate and you're living with no shame, then there's nothing that you have that you shouldn't be able to share with one another. And if you can't do that, like I've said, 10 times already, that's a great time to bring in others to help you. Raise your hand, say, hey, we need some help in our relationship. This is excellent. That's a great answer. Okay, a little off base here for the last one. Are there any Star Wars characters <laughs> that you feel like you can, uh, I don't know, like impersonate the best? Like, And you have to answer this. So is there one Star Wars character that you feel like you can impersonate? And then will you do that impersonation? So you're talking about Yoda, Luke Skywalker, whatever one. No, maybe Luke. he's kind of tall and, uh, and a he's a bit working. hairy. Yeah, yeah. So I have I happen to be uh, like this guy a lot. I look like Chewbacca. I'm not tall, but I am like Chewbacca, and not on my head, but everywhere else in my body. And uh, and so when I was pledging my fraternity at Wake Forest University, they called me Chewy. And every time they said Chewy, make the noise, I had to go. Didn't matter where I was on campus, in the mall, on a date, if somebody saw me, I had to make the noise. So Chewbacca. And my birthday is, as Adam knows, is May 4th. May 4th. And he loves to be text, may the 4th be with you. Happy birthday, Scott. He loves that. So, hey, listen, brother, you are going to now go down in Better Man Podcast history as the first impersonation uh, of any kind, of any kind. Uh, so that was awesome. My, your ability to still just do that completely out of the blue, that's a gift, brother. That is a gift <laughs> to be able to do that. 
I don't know about that, but thank you. All right, friend. Hey, uh, when that new resource comes out, we're going to get you back on here. I want to keep talking about all of that. But thank you so much for jumping on the podcast with us today. This was uh, really helpful. Thank you. Thanks, Better Man audience. Well, Scott, thanks so much for jumping on the Better Man podcast. And anybody out there that wants to keep following him or get to know more about him or maybe pick up that book, you can go learn more at scottkadersha.com. That's scottkadersha.com. I'll put a link to that in the show description. Well, this episode, like every episode, was produced and edited by the team over at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. That's all we have for today on the Better Man podcast. We'll talk to you again next time.